The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Geeks, and welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties. And tonight, I've got the hysterical, uh, well-informed, especially when it comes to 90s and 80s related materials. We are talking to Tori Sype here to bring the absolute cringe, probably, on some of your choices for a remake of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Just a classic. Hello, hello. I am really mad that it's been years since I've seen this movie because I loved it as a kid. It's not like I was surprised that it was good, but it's it's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I watched it fairly recently. I feel like I watched it like a few months ago. I don't know. I I think I watched it. We saw like Kevin Smith live and yeah. then like there was some guy in the audience and he's like, my cousin was Walter from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's right. yeah. Dead. <laughs> and then... I, the audience was silent. No one cared, but you could, I don't know if anyone heard me, but I went, what? (laughs) Thought that was like the coolest thing ever. That's amazing. Yeah. And I remember that part because I was there for that as well. And Kevin was the one that was the most excited about it. He was clearly like into this a lot, but don't tell mom the babysitter's dad has a great cast and a cast that they some of them were known quantities at the time, but several have gotten much bigger since then. I mean, at, oh, the, yeah. at the time, Christina Applegate was known for what? Married with Children, I think. That's it. At that point. Yeah. And this is really one of the first movies where she came into her own and showed herself able to do more than just the like party girl, daughter, sister person from Married with Children. Yeah. Christina Applegate is just a power, power horse. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that she's been able to kind of... Uh, reach out and and do some stuff with her career more than just, you know, after married with children, she's really been able to kind of come into her own. Additionally, there's also a early role for David Duchovny in there as well. Yes. (laughs) Having the classic, like, you know, he's a douchebag before he even opens his mouth haircut of just the fully slack, slick back hair, not the rockabilly with the pompadour, just wall street style, slick back hair. I know. And they work at like a, crappy fashion company so <laughs> right they work at basically like the dickies of the fashion industry where it's a lot of like you work uniforms and stuff like that and yeah. uh, what i love about this movie is that it kind of shits on the actual mom in this movie like really hard it does it's like five kids total and this mom is but you know the house is a wreck which normally would be understandable for a, a parent with five kids you know raising them by themselves 
Yeah. But by the end of the movie, Christina Applegate, a 17-year-old girl, has it running like a fine-tuned machine where all of the issues that they ran into before mom went on vacation for two months have been solved. And, like, the burnout stoner metalhead brother is now, like, going to culinary art school. Uh, (laughs) She's got a a fast-paced career in fashion. I mean, like, the house is clean. Better sound system and TV in the living room. It's astounding how much is just, like, so this is just to prove to you in two months I can do what you couldn't do in 17 years with this shit. You're a terrible mother. It's, it's <laughs> kind of the moral of the story of this. Oh my God. I know. I know the mom. Yeah. It's just like, what is, how is she just like, just going on vacation with some dude to Australia? Also the other side of the world, You're not right. even like, Oh, we're going to, you know, New York or. When, and we're, we're led to believe based on what we see in the movie that, in that two months, or I'm sorry, one and a half months that she's supposed to be gone because she gets back early, uh, she only calls twice, and she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't ask for any of the other kids. She doesn't like you know. Let me talk to my other children. It's you good? Okay, cool. Bye. Just not interested. Let me talk to the babysitter. Where's the babysitter? Babysitter's What's... dead. <laughs> Super dead. Super dead. I had forgotten how much fun that babysitter was for the brief period of time that she's on the screen just oh yeah militant angry old lady going hard at these kids it was brilliant brilliant choice there Mm -hmm. now for those unfamiliar with how we do things on smack my pitch up we take a property like for example uh, today we're doing don't tell mom the babysitter's dead which i thoroughly suggest checking out i've looked around to see where it was available um you can still you know purchase copies of it here and there but it's currently on Cinemax. So if you have a Cinemax subscription or you do what I did, which is just sign up for the week trial and cancel before the end of the week uh, to see Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. That's a way to do it too. But uh, we take that property and then we have two versions a piece where we figure out what we think would be the smartest move on a remake or reimagining or a sequel. And then uh, we have the remix version, quote unquote, which is basically an outside the box take on how could you change kind of the tone or the style of this property to just kind of have fun with it and do something different, uh, a full reimagining uh, for the remix. So uh, for uh, Tori, for your real version, what is there any kind of like plot lines or tonal changes? Um, is this kind of a period piece around 1990 or are you going full like modern day you know i i don't know i didn't really think about like it being like you know back then or in modern day i mean Mm -hmm. i think it would be fine in modern day sure i I think that you know just with cell phones maybe the mom would call more maybe not like she's still on the other side of the country so i mean she doesn't know what's going on and there's minor tweaks to the plot that can fix some of the uh time related stuff like the, sl- the slush fund in the office would not be a big box full of cash. It would be a credit right. card. And so, yeah. like, the, the kids, all they would have to do is just, like, write down the credit card numbers to order shit online, you know. Uh, so you could still have them buying stuff using the credit card instead of cold, hard cash. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. The one thing that always bothered me about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, though, and it's not, it has nothing to do with the time that it was made, is that there's at one point mentioned $3,000 in cash in the slush fund and they spend all but like 40 bucks of it on, you know, the kids stealing some and her spending it, you know, taking care of the kids. Well, 
then in order to save money, she suggests that there's a fashion show that takes place at, at their house. And then they do a professional job of painting, fixing, and cleaning the entire house. So, like, all the paint is purchased, all the repair supplies purchased. Uh, there's a walkover bridge over the pool that has been drained and refilled uh, since then. Uh, professional lighting and sound equipment to save the, like, close to $3,000 that were stolen from the slush fund. Professional ice sculptures. I mean, it's ridiculous that that's how they saved money. Yeah, I don't know how any of that. I mean, I guess in 1990 money, what, like, a party like that costs, like, 50 bucks because, like... It's 1990. This wasn't like the the like 1922 where you could buy a car for a quarter. Like this is right. this is only like 30 years ago. It's that's a while back, but still three grand is. But if you like triple that, that's nine grand. That's still more than it's going to cost to fully fix your house, drain and refill the pool, professional lights and sound, and all the food supplies needed to do this thing. Yeah, there's all this food. Um, that granted, he learned by watching two episodes of a cooking show how to cook Julia everything. Child. Julia Child. He learns how to make Belgian waffles, and then from then on, he can make anything ever. <laughs> so, which, as someone that likes cooking, that's exactly how that happens. Yeah. So you're just saying kind of a timeless thing, and you don't even have to put a time on it. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. I think you can still. I mean, if you put a 17 year old in like a position where they think they're almost 30 and they're doing this job. Like they don't know what they're doing. They see a bunch of cash. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think they would still have the same reactions. Fair. And I I think that's true. Uh, There's something timeless about this story about youth, about growing up, what the responsibilities are versus your responsibilities as a kid, what's expected of you based on your age that just kind of translates across the board. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would, for my version, I think as far as storyline goes, there'd be a couple tweaks. Uh, I think on both of my versions, the brother Kenny, uh, he's still like the burnout dude, but he's like over 18. Like he just, he just hasn't gotten his life together after high school. He runs and this is my, this is my solution for the fucking sound and and lighting equipment is that Kenny works for a company that does like entertainment stuff like fucking karaoke and trivia nights and DJs. And uh, and he's just this like, burnout dude that helps like m- moving equipment into event halls and shit, just like a roadie type character. And uh, so he has access to all these things through his job. And then, boom, you have thousands of dollars worth of equipment that he can get for free. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And it also fits his character, too, a little bit. Sure. So um, so he's a little older, and that also adds the dynamic of him not getting a shit together and his younger sister being the one that has to be responsible for all the kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, besides that, mine will be modern day. And okay. uh, that that's about it. I really want to focus tone wise on the conversation of how women are seen in like the home place versus the, the workplace. Yeah. And have that conversation using kind of Rose Lindsay, her boss, as kind of a vehicle for that, where in uh, my real version, you're going to see Rose with Swell as being this like sweet kind of like nervous uh, kind of worried that she's not being taken seriously because she's a woman kind of attitude about things but then she goes into like angry raging bitch mode type character when around men to kind of assert dominance to some degree and it's not even really part of her character that's just what she feels she has to do to be taken seriously in the industry 
Right. And I would love to see that conversation as it relates to Swell as a 17-year-old girl looking at business world and uh, a prof- professional, you know, professional career life for a woman and have that conversation, I think, would be very interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely, yeah, yeah. I like that. So uh, for your serious version, did you have a director in mind for your your real Yeah, um, Olivia Wilde. No shit? <laughs> yeah. This should get interesting then. Yeah, I mean, you know, I loved Booksmart. Um, I know I, she's done like a couple more directing projects, but I think like having like a female director, like especially like a younger Absolutely. female director would like... Yeah, I think she could really make something of it. I think you knocked it out of the park with that choice, and that's not just because I also chose Olivia Wilde as my director for this. That's amazing. Yeah, no, she's the perfect choice. She really is. Yeah. Booksmart was, was so honest and like both pure and not at the same time. You really understood these characters fully. I mean, fully fleshed out characters. Um, and there was never a point where I feel that that they were talking down to the audience because it was a movie about teenagers. Right. And yeah. that's so important. And I think she just, I was blown away at how much I enjoyed book smart. It I loved it. So good. Right. She's currently working on a movie right now called don't worry, darling. That's like a psychological thriller. Okay. Uh, and I'm interested to see kind of that tonal change. How well she does with that. Sure. Cause she knocked it out with the, with the you know coming of age comedy. Great. Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, there's very few times there's been the same director. So I'm interested to see what choices you made and what choices I made here. Yeah. So for Swell, who do you have for your Swell for Olivia Wilde's? Uh, uh, Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Oh, God, not a bad choice. Really not a bad choice. I was thinking about going that direction at some points. Um, I decided to go with Florence Pugh. Okay. Which yeah. I, I think we're still kind of in the same mindset there. I think the, those yeah. two actresses would do, both do well. Um, Sophie Turner whole... from Game of Thrones and oh, what else? Uh, X Men. <laughs> yeah, uh, being married to Joe Jonas. <laughs> oh, is is she? Yeah. You you and a few of my friends know like the pop culture couplings a hell of a lot better than me. I have no idea half the time. I think they had a baby. Wow, man, yeah. everybody's getting so old. Um, <laughs> I just had a nephew turn 17 and I'm just really upset because I swear like last week he was born. Yeah. So looking at all these churins that I'm having to cast, it's uh, very upsetting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So for Kenny, the brother, next one up, the metalhead um, brother, the like burnout stoner brother. Yeah. Um, I picked Graham Rogers. He, um, he plays Smitty on Ray Donovan and he also plays Evan and atypical. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had I had such a hard time because the thing with like those guys and it was just like I looked at like the original actors like how old they were when they filmed it and you got to have someone that's like I guess not for the brother but someone that's like 18 but can be like oh believable almost 30 like Yeah. So that was like kind of hard to find actors. It was either they looked too young, like no way does this person look like they could pass for 30 or yeah. it's like, yeah. I, yeah, it, it's really hard to make those choices. There's uh, somewhere between 16 and 35. Uh, mm-hmm. the, an actor can play any of that range of characters. Right. <laughs> and it's just, it's really difficult, especially when you're looking at, you know, I mean, 
Christine Alpgate was not 17 when she did her role in Don't Tell Mama the Babysitter's Dead. And as yeah. time goes on, you know, that was the 90s thing of like people that were like 35 playing 15 and 16 year olds. She actually was 19. Was she 19? Yeah. I, I looked up like everything. Like, wow. She was she was only 19. So she was right there. But... Okay. That's not okay. Well, then I'm going to shut my stupid mouth on that uh, point. <laughs> But I, I still wanted, like, maybe just a couple years older than Swell uh, for the brother. Yeah. Um, so still a kid, you know, but just old enough. We're barely out of high school kind of vibe. And I went with somebody from Booksmart. And I love this actor. I think he's great. And he can play awkward. And I aimed more for, like, awkward burnout stoner guy versus, like, metalhead guy. Because mm. that's such a, like, late 80s, early 90s trope kind of thing. Yeah. Don't really need to lean on that. Just, like, the goofy gamer stoner brother is is fine. Sure. Yeah. And so, for that, I went with uh, Skylar Gizondo. Uh, he was okay. the goofy kid that was had the boat that he was trying to throw his party on in Booksmart. Oh, yeah. That ends up being kind of like a love interest at one point. Uh, he oh, yeah. He's also, he was in uh, Vacation, the remake of Vacation. Okay. Um, he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Gwen Stacy's brother. Um, and he was also in that new show on Hulu called The Binge, which like The Purge, but with drinking and partying. Okay, yeah, I've I've heard of that. I haven't watched it yet. Haven't watched it yet. I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks fun, at least. Uh, who do you got next on your list here? Um, For Rose. Okay. Uh, Helena Bomham Carter. Nice. I I do like her. And then she could be like the big boss executive type for sure. Yeah. There was so many, I had so many choices and so many ones I was like, oh, this is great. And like, I didn't want to be that person, but I was just like, they're just a little too old. And I felt like yeah. the most perfect people, they were just, cause I guess like in the movie, she's in her mid forties. So yeah. it's just like, everyone looks like so young back or so young now. Back then, everyone just looked so old. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I guess there's just but, better skincare now, or... I guess so. I don't know. But I thought, you know, she could be... You know, I thought about, like, when she's, like, eating all the M&Ms on the floor, and yeah. when she's just, like, kind of kooky, kind of crazy, but, <laughs> like, yeah. I uh, went with an actress that I've only seen pretty much from little skits, um, little shorts on, on YouTube and such, and also Booksmart. She was the cool teacher that like gave him a ride at one point and uh, was like super laid back with him and like honest and stuff. Uh, Jessica Williams. She was in Booksmart. She also comes from Upside Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, sure. Sketch Daily Show. She was part of College Humor. She was in Hot Tub Time Machine 2. So she's done mm -hmm. some. She's a comedic actress for sure. Yeah. And I think it'd be kind of fun to have her not only having the conversation about being like relatively young like probably like early to mid 30s uh, is what her character would play um okay. and uh female and black as a executive in this company and that that hits a number of notes in that conversation about uh about privilege and about you know how much harder and easier it is based on you know who you are mm -hmm. so and uh, also yeah. she was just in her small parts in book smart she nailed it i loved i loved her in that so yeah uh, who you got next? Um, Brian, the the boyfriend. Yep. Okay. Mister Mister Clown Dog. Um, <laughs> Mister my... Clown Dog himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Noah Centineo. I love that guy. No, I know the name. Um, yeah, no, I 
I picked him uh, for like Gremlins too. Like he's he's just like he's really cool. He's on um like to all the boys I loved before oh, right. and like okay. those like Netflix movies. He's sure. gonna be the new He Man. He's gonna be the like, new. You've told me this before, I think. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think on the last like episode you were really on, yeah. like cute. Like oh, he's just like working at the clown dog, and <laughs> all the girls are like, "Ooh, hey." I yeah. like this character, this archetype of character in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead has always been a character in these romantic comedy type coming of age movies. You've got like uh, Ducky, who she should have been with at the end of that movie, you know? Right. And then, of course, uh, Easy A, where there's the ma- mascot dude that is way too chill, way too attractive to be the guy that wears the mascot costume. He's just like the cool guy that has like normal people jobs and is down to earth. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, they're definitely getting together at the end. And I wanted to have that kind of vibe for, you know, Brian. You, it's, he's a little dorky. He's a little bit dorky, but he's super sweet, and he's got a really good heart. And so he kind of wins out in the end as being, you know, the guy, you know, that, that ends up with swell. And I thought he's, he's getting there in age and is a great actor that, you know, from Hugo. Uh, Ender's Game, and then that series on Netflix, Sex Education, Aza Butterfield. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's very accomplished actor for his age, and he can definitely play that kind of like awkward sweetheart kind of vibe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he, he'd be able to nail the Brian role. Now for, do you have a Gus? I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, John Hamm. John Hamm. Good call. I didn't even think. Why did I not think about John Hamm? That is the perfect role for him. Just the, like, yeah, because it's it's kind of like the role he did in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, he could. Yeah, you could even have it. You know, change it to that name of that dude from Bridesmaids and make it a weird, like shared universe series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the mashup. Oh man, that's perfect. Oh, I love that more than mine, and I like <laughs> mine. Uh, I decided for Gus to go with Taron Killam. Okay, I love him. I love him too, but he could, I could, he could definitely play a dick. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure, for sure. Very much that like self-important, like he's got that like chiseled, like I was made when the Midwest had sex with itself, and then I he came out of the ground. He, he's just got yeah. that. Uh, he's got that classic Midwestern kind of chiseled, like white boy look going for him pretty well. And uh, who's he's he's married to somebody famous, isn't he? Like somebody Kobe way, Smolders. Yeah, somebody way hotter than him. Yeah. Um, yeah, from, uh, you know, Avengers. Avengers and How I Met Your Mother. And, yeah. So I think he would he would have a lot of fun in that role, playing like the, the douchebag, you know, boyfriend yeah. kind of thing. Uh, oh, I love that. Do you have a Carolyn? Carolyn? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, Megan Fox. Ooh, another fucking banger of, a, of an answer. That's really good. Yeah, she's perfect. She's perfect. That's, that's again, that's still better than mine. I wanted to keep Carolyn a, a little bit older than Swell by like just a few years. So like still young would be kind of 24, 25 ish kind of executive or like early secretary leveling of, uh, of job kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay. And she's yeah. usually the, the like sad girl in a lot of stuff she does. Sure. Um, I'm interested to see her just be like a heinous bitch. Just go, f- go for it. I think with Kick-Ass, like, you kind of get that a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Just like a li- like a hint of it. You know that she can kick some ass. Uh, there's a movie that I think it's called Gracie that she's in that I've been told it gets 
bonkers wild where she gets a little bit like weird and scary in that. So I'm interested to check that out. But yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting choice for her, especially in something charming where you're not, I would rather not necessarily demonize Carolyn as this like she bitch from hell so much as just under the same pressures as all the other women in this story about trying to succeed and get higher up and somebody coming from outside the company that it looks so easy. It mm-hmm. it's infuriating and creates that kind of like female rivalry thing that doesn't need to actually happen. And that's that's more her her role there. I'm trying to make yeah. it, I'm trying to make it sweet. <laughs> like all the way around. Yeah. Uh do you have a Bruce? Uh I do. Uh Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Uh he's oh man. I love him so much. I we just watched a movie called The Overnight. Okay. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. It's where Adam Scott, um, who, who else is in it? It's Adam Scott, Jason Schwartzman, and uh, another actress in I've there. I've heard of it. I've seen it. Like It's on Hulu, right? I think so. It's a, a couple yeah. that just recently moved into town, meets another couple at the, uh, at the playground with, with kids and stuff, and uh, they invite them. The couple that has lived there for a while invites them over for dinner and drinks, and then as the night progresses, it starts to get a little bit weirder and sexier. And uh, hijinks ensue, and Jason Schwartzman is the perfect hijinks ensue person. <laughs> Whenever yeah. he's he's the perfect foil for that kind of situation because he's just lovable but also kind of scummy sometimes. Uh, he can play both sides pretty well that way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's solid. I went with uh, for Bruce. I went with an older dude to just add to the vibe of like scumbaggy. For Bruce, because there's like nothing great about Bruce. He's the kind of no. guy that has that's always chewing on toothpicks. He's smarmy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought Jason Sudeikis could really have a lot of fun with that. And yeah. then also just the like the age gap between him and Chloe Grace Moretz would be kind of where he he comes it's off as like kind of yeah. kind of sketchy and gross, like an older dude like preying on the young secretary kind of vibe. I mean, that's exactly what Gus did to Sue Ellen. So. Yeah. So you have kind of a, a mimic of that in, in this relationship here, too. Sure. So I'm really glad that we both chose Olivia Wilde. And I think that's the only thing that we have a, the same as far as the casting goes on our real version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any other roles that you cast for this? Um, so like for both versions, I just thought like randomly it would be great if Betty White was the babysitter. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Betty White and anything. And I'm. I mean, like, she's only in it for however long, but, you know, Betty White's perfect. Betty White is perfect in anything she does ever, and I will fight anybody that says otherwise, so I'm... And she's always great when she's just, like, nasty, but, like, she's still, like, smiling, and she's just, like, nasty and mean. Yeah. I love it. It's that it's that old lady nasty where it's still kind of charming, mm-hmm. even when they're just reading you the riot act or being really racist. It's still kind of, like, weirdly charming. She... <laughs> We recently watched Bringing Down the House with Steve Martin, oh, and she's geez. so racist in it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. whoa, I don't Betty remember White. this. No, never racist Betty White. Oh. All right, we're at the point now where we're going to be talking about our uh, weird and interesting takes on this uh, property. This is where it gets fucking bizarre Yeah, are some of the choices here. So. Uh, for your version, are you going with a similar tone? Are you kind of changing genres? Are you uh, changing timelines? Or are, what? What's the the feel of this uh, reimagining look like? Oh, it's it's definitely a thriller. 
Okay. It's. I felt like there was only one other way to go with uh, Don't Tell Mom the Baby Search Dad. It's I, like a psychological, crazy thriller. I kind of went a similar direction to God. If we have the same, I now this. If we have the same director here, I'm going to be fucking astounded because I went with like a director that has done some movies. But if it's the same, that's going to be fucking nuts. So okay, like sexy thriller kind of psychological deal. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, uh, for mine, kind of similar. I'm figuring the main change in story arc is that the uh, main character, Swell, uh, she has like a pretty fucked up relationship with her family for the most part. Mm-hmm. And her father has like re- remarried, like left the family, remarried. Um, he's got like a stepdaughter on in that marriage that is like around swell's age and there's always this comparison between the two and in order to get the job she's a little bit older than swell she ends up kind of swiping her identity and then that and so it's like it's like a horror thriller kind of vibe but with a kind of an underlying conversation about privilege and position and if you're set up in a better position to start then you're going to end up in a better position at the end okay like her family is like living in a dump like Five kids can't afford much of anything. It's really hard. To, there's no college fund, nothing. And her, her dad remarried into like is relatively well to do. And this this woman, like a couple of years older than her, full college ride, get, gets out of a good school, gets like plenty of experience, work experience during for free. Um, what do they call it? Where you're, you're a slave to corporations. Intern. Intern. Yeah, that one. Uh, she, she unpaid internships. Get a gets her foot in the door. And she kind of takes her identity um, in in the plot line. And then, yeah. And then doesn't want to give it back. (laughs) And that's where it it gets gets crazy. But uh, for your thriller, who are you getting to run this shit show? Who's the director for your version? Uh, Jordan Peele. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't choose Jordan Peele because it was between the, the director I chose and Jordan Peele. And I think the only reason I didn't choose Jordan Peele is because I chose him for something recently that we did on Smack My Pitch Up. And I don't don't like to be too repetitive with the same directors. Um, I'm super into a Jordan Peele version of this. I'm really excited to hear what you have as far as casting goes. I went with a little bit more of a straight horror version. And it was actually looking at directors that have done something as far as like falsifying identities and kind of, you know, something in that. Uh, a modern or, or more modern talented Mr. Ripley kind of vibe to it. Uh, and yeah. there's a movie called the guest um, that was directed by Adam Wingard that took my interest. He's also known for uh, your next. And he's also the, love that. I love your next. It's a great, very underappreciated. It's, it's like a diamond in the rough horror movie. It's great. It's fantastic. And there's a fun little twist that's, you can, pretty much figure out beforehand but that doesn't matter it's so much fun very fun movie so we did your next the guest which is about somebody that says that they knew uh, the brother son that passed away in uh in war was was out somewhere and he gets to kind of get to know the family kind of a six degrees of separation starring will smith kind of vibe to it Mm -hmm. um and then you know there's a secret and chaos ensues it's it's a great movie Definitely check that out. He's also the director of finished filming, uh, and who knows when it comes out? Godzilla uh, or Godzilla versus uh, Kong. Oh, okay. He directed as well, so cool. 
So I'm excited to see that. So yeah, we're both doing like thriller, horror kind of vibe. Yeah. Who's your Sue Ellen, your swell for your My version? Swell, uh, Zendaya. Mm, I thought, oh, I was debating on Zendaya too. I really was. Yeah. Um, For either Zendaya for either role, really. I was looking at, at swell, like either role Zendaya could do like the funny, charming, book smart version or the mm-hmm. horror thriller. So yeah, awesome. I went with actress that has messed with like horror a little bit and i think this would give her a chance to do some like real nuance of being like kind of a little bit crazy kind of role mm-hmm. um more so than just being an emotionally disturbed little girl is millie bobby brown okay yeah and she will have worked with adam wingard on godzilla versus kong so she he, she's right, already yeah. probably developed a relationship with him mm-hmm. now for kenny who do you have uh joe keery Joke. Oh, I know that name. Um, Steve from Stranger Things. Yes, yes. I love him and his hair. Yeah. <laughs> Just the best hair. Uh, yeah. He's fantastic. He's a, got a great sense of humor, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm super down for that. And who would play a burnout so well? Mm-hmm. I mean, not far off in Stranger Things, honestly. So uh, I went with, with uh, Dane DeHaan. Oh yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Uh, he he's been in a number of things, both good and bad. He played Cricket in Lawless, which is probably my favorite role that he's done. He was mm-hmm. brilliant in that. But bigger roles that he's done, a uh, Valerian, uh, City of a Thousand Planets or whatever it's called. Uh, that movie sucked, but he was fine in it. Um, and then another movie that sucked that he was in, uh, Amazing Spider-Man uh, Two. He played the Green Goblin uh, yeah. in that one as well. He's done a number of roles. He's a fantastic actor. He can also have a little bit of that creepy vibe. Yeah. And I wanted the, like, you know, burns frogs with magnifying glass, local pets have disappeared kind of vibe to Kenny in this version. You know, like, he's yeah, he's a fucked up and emotionally broken, like, young adult in this yeah. horror version. Yeah, if you've ever seen Chronicle, I mean, that's kind of yep. like... He's so messed up in that. That was kind of what I was thinking of when casting him mm-hmm. here was that Chronicle vibe, definitely. So uh, who do you have for Rose? Rose Lindsay. Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross. Do I know her from? She's the mom on Blackish. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She would do a great job in that role. Uh, she, she can come off warm, but also that like stern attitude when need be as well. Mm-hmm. I kind of had that same want of duality of the character uh when choosing mine and it's an actress that i know has done horror uh one of the most disturbing horror movies in recent memory hereditary she was in uh tony collette as uh and she just always seems stressed out which i think works for an executive (laughs) to have that vibe of just ah, a little bit shaken and and weird yeah she was on my list too yeah i I, Mm -hmm. tony collette can pretty much like fit into most movies in some way shape or form no oh, she's great yeah. then we've got uh well who, who do you have next on your list here uh for brian brian okay uh i mean tom holland because little spidey spidey love i yeah i even without zendaya being cast in my version mm-hmm. i was debating about tom holland for the olivia wilde part mm-hmm. just because my i wanted to go with somebody kind of a little bit on the creepy side uh, or they could play not well innocent, but an innocent in a horror movie. And I think Tom Holland, like for my version, which is a little bit more horror than yours, I think um, mm-hmm. it would be, yeah, it wouldn't be the right move, but Tom Holland was definitely on my list as well. 
It's great. Mm-hmm. I did uh, Jaden Martell. Okay, who's that? Uh, he was the little kid in St. Vincent. He was in Knives Out. He was a young Bill in the It movies. Okay. Uh, okay. He was also in a, a fantastic little sci-fi horror movie called Midnight Special. If you haven't had the chance to see it, it's uh stars uh what's his face, a uh, very well known um Michael uh he was in from Shape of Water. Oh, yep, yep. It just dropped out of my brain, but uh, he, it's him and this actor, yeah, Jaden Martell, plays his son who has basically superpowers, and they're trying mm-hmm. to like figure out why and like what and the government's after him and it's this whole thing but there's this kind of like spiritual undertone to it it's it's an interesting movie very well worth a watch uh, okay. he does a great job on that and then of course bill in uh in it yeah he nails it so then uh do you have a gus uh yeah peter kraus peter kraus peter kraus peter kraus six feet under parenthood oh right okay yep yeah yep. okay Sports excellent night. i this is a little bit different than some of his roles, but he actually was the main inspiration, his character, for the kind of vibe I was going for in this version. He was in The Guest, which was directed by uh, Adam Wingard, the director that I'm using here. Uh, he, you may also know him from Legion and uh, Eurovision, the new uh, movie starring Will Ferrell, Dan Stevens. Okay. And Yeah. That's a great choice. I love Dan Stevens. Uh, he's really growing on uh, as an actor for me, uh, as far as a favorite. I think he needs to get a lot more roles. He's charming. He's He underplays his character sometimes, which is important, um, especially when sharing the screen with uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> it's good to know yeah. when to kind of play it a little bit softer. And he's genuinely uh, intense in The Guest. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to play a slightly different role than he normally does in that. And I, I think he would be able to uh, do a good job as lecherous Gus. Mm-hmm. It's like just fully like kind of that grooming time type of vibe from him uh, when talking to like the young girls in the office and stuff. I just, yeah, be a yeah. total creep, creep ball. Uh, who do you have for Carolyn? Lizzie Kaplan. Lizzie Kaplan. Nice. Okay. I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. Oh, what is, I'm trying to think of the last role that I saw her in. If only we had uh, IMDb's up and actually ready to go. But I, uh, I went with a lesser known actress, but she was the main actress in Your Next. She played the character Aaron in Your Next. Yeah. Uh, she, she was also in uh, Bait, which is a shark horror movie, and The House on Willow Street. So a, an accomplished uh, horror actress. Uh, Sharni Vincent is the name of the actress that I chose for mm-hmm. Carolyn. Uh, she's got that kind of like badass vibe when need be, but also, you know, I, I think she'd be able to have fun with that, like kind of shit and playing the villain almost really mm-hmm. in this story, because Carolyn's really the only villain be- besides Gus, who's n- a non-event. He's, he's not, he's not important enough to the story to be a villain. No. No. So yeah, Carolyn's the only one that's actually doing anything like mustache twirly. So I think mm-hmm. it'd be fun for her to do that. Did you have a Bruce? Um, no, not really. I didn't really think about that. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, I decided. Jason Schwartzman again, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just put him in both dual roles. I almost did that with a couple of my choices, too. I decided to see, uh, put, put this actor in a role that he normally wouldn't play. He's normally 
plays you know, somewhat in, intelligent, uh, charismatic kind of role, and to kind of get him to play kind of a scumbag, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see how that goes. Uh, he worked with the director, Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard also directed the live-action version of Death Note, which I'm, cer- okay. I'm sure he wants to forget like everybody else has forgotten about that version. But also he was in uh, Get Out, Sorry to Bother You, Uncut Gems, Knives Out. Very accomplished actor. Very much high on my list of current actors that are just like knocking out of the park. Talking about Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. As we were going along, I was like thinking in my head and I was just like, oh yeah, maybe him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have spoken, I've waxed poetic about Sorry to Bother You so many times on the different shows on this network. And for good reason. It's funny it's insightful it's political it's ter- it's not terrifying it's horrifying in some ways it it really is like yeah. we saw it yeah i saw it too and you know the ending i'm like what's happening right now like that was just took a completely turn that i had no idea it's like you changed the channel midway through watching the movie and it turns into this entirely different movie like little, it's, it's like two different movies yeah. in one yeah yeah and i love that and the it's fact that great. everybody played it straight the whole time. Like there was no point where everybody just kind of like was in on the joke. It was, they played it like this was a super serious movie that was not supposed to be t- funny or weird. And it clearly was Oof, yeah. very weird. It but went fantastic. It went from like a kind of social commentary dramedy mm-hmm. to a full on like wackadoo horror sci-fi yeah. <laughs> movie at <laughs> the end of it. Very worth a watch. Um, Lakeith Stanfield, yeah, I would love to see him in as much stuff as possible. I think he's a very uh, versatile actor from the roles yeah. that I've seen him in, and uh, I'm look f- looking forward to seeing him in more. So I'm going to probably cast him a lot more in uh, in these smack-my-pitch-up pitches. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got our list of casting and directors for our four versions of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Now, ha- did you think of any mashups that would be interesting to have with this movie. Um, I don't know. I think maybe like you could do horrible bosses. Horrible bosses. Sure. I mean, they're all trying to kill their bosses. It's like you could, you could mash it up. Maybe they like conspire to kill like Carolyn or Carolyn's conspiring to kill Rose or I don't know. Just make it like really zany and. Or you could even have like horrible bosses, but with babysitters where they've got other friends that are left alone for the sure. summer and then they all kind of figure out a way to kill each other's babysitters. Yeah. Just like a kill for hire for babysitters. Yeah. Yeah. That's dark. That's <laughs> really dark. I like that. It's, it's not as funny as horrible bosses. Um, I thought it would be interesting to mix this up with Golden Girls. Uh, where you've got like one of the Golden Girls decides to take a summer job uh, watching her niece's kids or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then ends up dying. And then it's the Golden Girls, the rest of them, trying to track down what happened to their friend <laughs> while the kids are just off and doing their thing and have it from the perspective of the Golden Girls. Being like, yeah. these children murdered our friend. <laughs> and then, then going after these kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, so old ladies versus kids, basically. That's right. Blanche just beating the shit out of Kenny. Just again, yeah, Betty White. Uh, there we go. Coming per- in hot. Perfect, perfect <laughs> pairing right there. Yeah, I thought 
it would be interesting to do something with the two babysitter movies around the same era, which is Adventures in Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Mm-hmm. And all I could think that inst- instead of her getting a job in an office, she got a job as a like an adult babysitter. Mm-hmm. And then you have t- too, too many kids. Too many kids in one movie, I think, at that point. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. It's <laughs> a lot of kids. So do you... And I ask this sometimes, but not all the time on these episodes. Some are clear, like, you should never remake Back to the Future. They should never remake, you know, we just did American Psycho. I don't think we should ever have to deal with a remake of American Psycho. I think it's fine the way it is. This is one of those iffy ones for me. I love the original, but I could, I don't think I'd be super upset if handled properly for a remake. Do you, would you be upset about this being remade, or is this, like, untouchable? I... I don't, you know, I think they are remaking it. Really? I, I think, I think they are for real. Oh man. I'm, I'm looking into it right now, but I swear, but I mean, I don't know if I would be, yeah, yeah, it's in the works, but I don't know if I would be the, I mean, it's already in the works. I think it'll be fine. I think it just depends on what they do with it. Like sure. what kind of direction they go in. Yeah. I really hope that they still aim for that level of charm that that era of like comedies had where it's not wackadoo funny. It's more that like charming, funny kind of vibe. I I think that's why this movie is such a like cult loved movie. Yeah. I think, yeah, as long as they do something. Yeah. I mean, it it really is like a cult classic. It's almost like comparable to like Bill and Ted. Like it's just, yeah. Yeah. I would put it in that same. Not everyone's seen that movie. That's like was born after like 1995. Sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah, you've got stuff like you know, pump up the volume, Bill and Ted. Um, yeah, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Adventures in babysitting. Uh, all those like teen or, or movies meant for teens that came out in like early 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is could we mash this up with pump up the volume? Is the question. I should ask that every episode. I love that movie so much. Yeah. Um, I guess you could have it where you have uh, Brian as a secret pirate radio guy or podcaster or something that uh-huh. he's really like quiet and can't ask her out and he's super awkward about it. But when but then she finds out that he's got like the secret life as this like buck wild fucking podcaster guy that like talks <laughs> talks about how shitty a clown dog is and like he's. He's the bane yeah. of their existence. I th- I think we have a winner there. Um, yeah, I think that, that's all I can think of offhand for. I, I don't think this movie needs any more movie to it. I think there's it's already so full. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot in that movie. Yeah, you've got all these. It, it is truly an ensemble piece. Even though some of the kids don't have nearly as much, all of them have like an assignment that their character does. You've got yeah. the like lovelorn kid. That like mm-hmm. buys a diamond ring for the girl that like dumps him for another dude or something, and yeah, and you got the you know stoner metalhead brother, and then the career woman sister. You've got mm-hmm. the there's a little sister, right? Yeah, and then there's another one, Walter, who falls off the roof. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, totally forgot about Walter. Yeah, um, that was the turn for Kenny in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's when he realized that he, it's kind of his fault that his brother broke his leg. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we are at the tail end of Smack My Pitch Up. At this point, we are going to kind of dig into our versions of uh, this movie and pick one a piece for us to do a trailer on. Now, um, I think I'm going to do my horror version. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a version that you prefer to do? I will also be doing my horror version. It's just going to be more fun for the trailer. So It is. It's more fun. I think we both agree that if it gets remade, you should get it. Living Wild on that shit. Like, no question. Yeah. I think remake. they already have the director. Well, they need to stop and get Olivia Wilde, I think. <laughs> yeah, they should. All right. Well, let me cue up the music. Coming this summer, from the mind of Jordan Peele, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Zendaya stars as Sue Ellen. When her mom goes out of town for the summer, she thinks she's going to be living in paradise until a babysitter from hell shows up. Her and her siblings can't take it, but when they go to confront her, she winds up dead. She has to get a job, then lies her way into a great one. But things aren't always as they seem. Joe Keery stars as her slacker brother Kenny. Tracy Ellis Ross stars as her boss Rose. Tom Holland stars as Brian, the boy who she thinks she can trust. But can you trust Spider-Man? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Or can you? <laughs> Coming soon. Nice. I like adding in just a separate conversation to have after the trailer. It's like, can you trust Spider-Man? Yes, you can. Or can you? Good. I like that. Yeah. It's a thinker piece. And now my version. I'm doing my horror version as well. Um, I have not uh, planned ahead on this at all. So this will definitely be bad. Here we go. From the mind behind your next, the guest, and the director of the coming Godzilla vs. Call, is a killer good time. This summer, join the family. Swell and her, and her siblings are left to their own devices until a haggard old lady comes into town to to babysit. I'm forgetting exactly the plot lines that I came up with for this. They swell as a... I'm just starting over during the trailer. Swell as a teenager with uh, with her eyes set on, on the future and with the help of a stolen identity from her half-sister, she's gonna do just that. This summer, watch Millie Bobby Brown as she does whatever it takes to get on top. That sounds way grosser. Uh, her, her brother Dane DeHaan, Kenny, played by Dane DeHaan, is a listless stoner with no motivation, but one heck of a sound system he's got access to. This summer, don't leave your kids at home alone. Don't tell mom the, the, the babysitter is dead. This, uh, this this summer. That was maybe one of the worst train wrecks that I've done on this show. That I, I had an idea in my head, and the minute that I started, it just all disappeared, and I was left to my own devices, which clearly is never a good call. So, sure. So, <laughs> those are our versions of uh, the 1990 classic, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. 
I also like that there was no repercussions of throwing an old lady in a trunk and leaving it at a mortuary. That like the morticians were cool with it. Like everybody's cool with it. Yeah, they were like, at least she left us all that money. Yeah, which had to have only been like a grand or two. Like it was, it wasn't a ton of money. Sure, but to two like guys that dig holes in the ground. Sure. Yeah. But that's nice that even with a limited amount of money, they still use some of that money to make a really nice headstone for nice old lady. Yeah. So, or really old lady. I don't know. But so go ahead and let us know what you thought about this episode. Other mashups that you think would work with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Um, who you would cast in these roles. Who, what director you think might be able to tackle this better than the ones that we chose. Um, how correct we are in choosing Olivia Wilde both uh, for the directing chops on this. And definitely subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Tori, you've got some stuff you're doing around the interwebs. What are you doing? I have my my website, letstalkpop.net, up and running. Um, yeah, you know, just me talking about stuff, blogging, yeah. writing. If there is one person I know that is deeply in the the pop, especially, especially in like 90s pop kind of vibe, it is definitely you. So... It's a very fun site, a lot of uh, insights into your weird, twisted mind. So <laughs> if you want to check that out. Uh, let's talk pop.net. Perfect. Perfect. So check that out um, and go ahead and take a look at our list of other shows. Uh, Tori's been on a number of the shows at this point, including uh, the main the main deal, the main uh, the main show. And Smack My Pitch Up a couple times now, I think, right? Or just once? Yeah, yeah this is the third time. Third time now. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And uh, we'll find you next time. Thank you so much. Uh, the podcast is done, man. Done, man. I, I, yeah. And we'll find you next time. We're right on top of that, Rose. We will get to another episode next week. Uh, thanks again to my guest, Tori. And uh, you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com. <laughs>